Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. All right, guys, we're back. We're back here for another episode in the Pornhub Year in Review. And Scott, I love a top 10 list. I, I grew up watching Dave Letterman, and Dave Letterman is the uh, the king of the top 10 list. And so here we have a top 30 list. I mean, we're going deep. This is a deep dive into the most searched terms on Pornhub.com. And again, I want to say we are not advertising and or supporting any use of internet pornography, but we're just observing. We're here to take a look at what everybody's doing. And so it would be foolish of us just to say, hey, I don't want to look at that. It's, 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 it's immoral. It's bad. We've got to get curious and understand why is it that people are looking for things to bring them life, to bring them excitement, to bring them orgasm, to bring them an experience of connection in these uh, searches on Pornhub.com. So, Scott, as we're uh, diving into this, we've got a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about. But what is it that really stands out to you as the most significant um, uh, pieces of, before I ask you that question, let me just read to you. I'll just read the top 10. Okay. That sound good? Got it. All right. So, hentai, we've already talked about that. Watch the episode on hentai, but that's a big deal. Japanese, MILF. Lesbian, Pene, which is Filipino women, Asian, stepmom, anal, big ass, threesome, Latina, and Ebony. That may have been more than 10. I can't count, but that's that's that's, that's 12. I did I hate 12. So good job. Way to go, Chris. But that's in, in all that we see, uh that so that's I didn't see any visual cues other than big ass in uh in those uh first th- first 12 right i see a lot of relational dynamics i see a lot of cultural dynamics uh maybe the hentai is kind of a catch-all as the visual cues it's everything in hentai is exaggerated anyways but what are you seeing what are you hearing uh in as you look at these t- topics so keep in mind the visual cues are there they're just embedded within the category because you're obviously watching pornography when you're looking at any of these. So okay. these are these are what people are actually searching for. Okay. They may not be searching for an Asian with big breasts, okay. but there were breasts in the video that they're watching. Okay, so yeah. that's assumed. Yeah. But the, the category itself is interesting in terms of the volume of search that was occurring around that. So what I thought was fascinating is animated or this uh, category that I would call fantastical animated was the top category overall, hentai. And when, when, when I went through this list, I took the top 30 and I used some more uh, structured categories to kind of combine them, which I got from this excellent book on sexual arousal by the sex researcher, um, Justin Lee Miller. And he is, um, he's part of the Kinsey Institute, but he's, he's got a great blog and he, um, he actually surveyed about 5,000 people online to ask them what their sexual fantasies were. So he had some categories. I've used some of his categories, some that we came up with, and we're looking at kind of a broad definition of how do you condense all this down? So we can take these top 30 search terms and we can kind of condense them down to 11 
categories of sexual interest. And the guys in A Billion Wicked Thought, which we've talked about before, and we'll put the, all of these links to the books in the show notes, they said that out of 100 searches that they looked at on Dogpile, which is a meta search engine that combines search from Google and all other search engines, they could condense 100 search terms down into just th 32 categories of sexual interest or arousal. And so the interesting thing is, you know, you're looking at the world. You're looking at everything everybody in the world is searching for sexually. Yep. And by and large, it's all found in a very narrow window of stuff. Okay, so this so my, my point worldwide, and and I, I would I would attest because they list by country number one sex searches by country across the world. So this is human experience, cross cultural experience, not just Western American searches, right? That's right. And what you find is it all boils down to about thirty two kind of subjects of interest or topics, and other than that. There are outliers, of course. There's always outliers in human behavior. But the majority of our sexual interest is clustered in a very narrow window, right? So this is, and the, so, this is the human sexual experience that we're talking about. This is humanity. That's right. All right, okay. And as we covered in the last episode, we view it in three broad categories. Visual cued sexual interest, parts of the human body that everybody finds sexually interesting. Chest, breast, butt, feet, and penises. Um, and then we we have a category called psychological um, interest or psychological cues, things that occur in the mind that cue us to sexuality. And the third category is my own meta narrative, my own story of how my experiences and my relationships and what I've gone through end up showing up in my sexual narrative. So those three things combined create kind of my experience, how you take three basic ingredients and you combine them over and over again, and you've got 8 billion people on the planet that have basically 32 things they're looking for in porn. Interesting, but, right? But Scott- You'd think it'd be much, much broader. But Scott, I, I, I've I've had very little connection with uh, Japanese women or Filipino women, or, I mean, for me, I mean, I live in the American South, so I've, I've been around more black women, right? So there's so where's the where's the connection between these search terms? And again, I know it's customized and I'm, I'm one person out of eight billion. Right. But but what are the pieces that were what they're really looking for? Is it literally I want to see a Japanese woman or is there something symbolic in that search that they're really looking for? Ah, that's the question. What is so the number one category, when you take these top 30 search terms and you look at what gets repeated, is ethnicity. Wow. So Asian is the top ethnicity that's looked for. Um, then you've got um, Latina and then you've got Ebony. So you've got a lot of people looking for, assumably, either people of their same race or their other race. We don't know for example, who's searching for what. But we can make some general assumptions based on things we know about other sexual arousal elements. Feet, for example, which is a, v, uh, a cued visual sexual interest. Uh, feet is well, for, uh, for guys uh, that have a... Before we get off into the, the feet, we, uh, we've got to get back into this, you know, this cultural dynamic of, you know... 
why is someone, so let's just assume that it's looking for someone different than me. So either it's, you know, me, I'm, I'm looking for a Latina or a ebony woman in my, in my porn search. What's, what's going on? Why do I care about the, the, um, ethnicity of the person I'm looking at. And I, I want to say this before you answer the question. We, we get it. We're two white dudes, two white American dudes. So we're observing and being curious. We know that there's a whole host of cultural and socioeconomic and power dynamic issues at play. So when we're, when we're having this conversation, we're doing it purely for the sake of we want to know more and understand more and be present with more truth in the world rather than trying to bring an agenda, everybody's broken, everybody struggles. So there's there's not a piece that we need to bring here and say, hey, we can fix this. We're not trying to fix it, we never will. We're trying to be present with it and, and give some care and kindness to it. So what is it, Scott, as, as all these cross um, ethnicities of arousal, well, what's going on with that? So we tend to be attracted to something that's different from us, number one. So I think there's that, right? Okay. Um, in some sense, what is exotic is erotic. Gotcha. So I want to connect with something that I see as exotic to my own sense. Even if I'm a, even if I'm attracted to other guys, I'm going to be attracted to guys that have something that maybe I don't feel like Correct. I possess. That's why the number one category of pornography, when you dive into the categories by sexual orientation, for example, the number one category of pornography for gay identified men is straight porn. Okay. Because they want a man's masculinity. Yeah. Right? So a lot of a lot of same-sex attracted or gay identified men, maybe they don't feel as masculine, so they're looking to connect with masculinity through sexuality. So we tend to be attracted to whatever's exotic okay. from us. Number one. The number two thing, though, I think is a power dynamic, which you kind of hinted at, and which where is where I was going with the feet, because in 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 a viewed sex acute visual sexual interest, women have smaller feet than men in general, just biologically. Right. But in many Asian countries, in particular, a practice called foot binding has been practiced for hundreds of years, where the women's feet are taken and put into small you know, boxes and tied ribbons around so it keeps their feet small and petite. What does that symbolize? It symbolizes she can't run away from me. Yeah. I can basically mate with her or have sex with her and she'll be submissive to it. And you have the whole tropes of the Asian, you know, the, the Japanese geisha, uh, the Thailand sexual tourism. And so what you're getting into is actually kind of an institutionalized type of racism and a lot of these things where we're objectifying people because of their race, because they're different from us as white guys or whatever. And so because they're different from us, we can dehumanize them yep. and we can objectify them much easier. Yep. So it actually plays into um, just this dynamic of how we use one another as human beings who we want to put in a position of inferiority to us or submissiveness to us. And that's what I think is playing out in the Asian or the ethnic ethnic categories in a lot of cases. So how is that arousing that I put someone uh, that I have submission, that I put someone into submission, I have power over them or there is a uh, 
there is a sense that I can do what I want to. I mean, I'll just go, you know, in, in this, there's an idea of free use uh, porn where basically uh, a partner says you can do whatever you want with me sexually. And that's, that's actually a growing trend on this list, which is, you know, that I get to take what's ever going on in here and act it out sexually with someone else and let them experience what I want because I'm trying to uh, get this stuff out of my life. And I want to exercise that. I want to, I want to have an orgasm. I want to, to vent this out. I think when we're looking at these search terms and looking at what sexual arousal is at the very beginning, it really is a desire to experience something again and maybe either repeat it, reverse it or re-identify in another way. We can kind of take those three categories and put a lot of these specific terms in those boxes, right? Yeah. So it's complex because it's going to depend what, when you said, when you ask the question, why is that arousing? I have to ask you, well, tell me about what it was like growing up in your home. How did you relate to your mother and your father? How did you relate to other people? What were your first sexual experiences? All of this kind of combines together to form what we call an arousal template. And that gets developed very early in our lives, between five and eight years of age. So uh, before you're even sexual, the foundation for what you're going to find sexual arousing, sexually arousing is already being laid by your relational dynamics. And we call that, in psychology, we call that attachment. Mm. So how you learn to connect with other people then becomes sexualized in puberty because you realize that connection can be taken further and closer with another person through sexual enactment than you can just in a conversation or you can with a hug or whatever. So you have to then look at in what ways did I feel connected or disconnected from others as I was developing? And so why is it arousing to imagine having sex with an Asian woman? Well, if your own narrative experience is you're the one in your family that had to do everything for everybody else. Mm. You're serving your mom's emotional needs because she's not too close to your dad. She's closer to you than your dad. We call that enmeshment or triangulation or emotional incest. But you as a little boy become your mother's surrogate husband. Mm. And how suffocating that is to have your own goodness and your own emotional bandwidth consumed by your mother's demands. Right. You're not allowed to be a little boy. Right. You're not allowed to have your own wants and needs. She's using you. Yeah. So how does your sexual template then get oriented towards that? Sexually, I'm going to imagine a situation that's the exact opposite of what I experienced with my mother. Yep. Right? Yep. Because we tend to fantasize about things that are different than our reality. Yep. Just take it, take it in terms of a simple Little League baseball game. If I'm playing Little League Baseball and I'm in the Little League World Series with my team and we're, we're at the winning play of the game and I'm an outfielder and there's a pop fly that comes to me and I reach up to grab it and the, and the, my, the ball bounces out of my glove and my team is dejected. Oh, I can hear everybody moan and the opposing team is cheering and I feel like I'm the loser. I'm the one that lost the game for my team. Right. What am I going to fantasize about from that point on? Catching the ball. Yeah. <laughs> a re complete reversal of what happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or yeah. I might go back and replay that scene about what a loser I am. Right. What a pathetic person I am. So there's two different ways oh. I could go with that or, scenario. Or if I if I caught the ball, I would relive that until I was an old man. Remember back when I was playing Little League All-Stars and I caught I made the game-winning catch. It was a great catch. I mean, it turned it probably was a pop fly and it was I turned it into I'm running over the shoulder catch, you know, it gets amplified and eroticized and it's it's made this big thing. So th- so that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting too because uh, like one guy, one guy I was working with, he would go and act out after he had done a really good job at his job that week and, you know, pressed through some major challenges and gotten major things accomplished. And I said, when did you first come to believe that an orgasm was the only way that you can be rewarded for a job well done? Wow. And sure enough, there's a story in his life where his mother you know, basically used him and he didn't get the reward he was expecting for his job well done, which was a sexual favor. Yeah. And so he goes and gets it himself now. So you would think when somebody's doing really well, they wouldn't sexually act out. But it all ties back to you got to look at where are the wounds in my life? Where are the where are the dynamics where I really felt hurt, alone, yeah. abandoned, rejected, neglected, right? right. Well, because those become the foundation for what I fantasize about. Yeah. Let's let's come back up for air because, you know, we love to go to the deep end of, of, of the pool for sure. So, yeah, excuse me, excuse me. Let's talk again about a couple more of the terms. So you got the the ethnicity piece, but then you've got things like threesome. You've got things like massage. You've got things like gangbang where you're where you're involving other people and other dynamics and you're multiplying the sexual experience through touch or through a bunch of different people. Where does that kind of fall into the categories of arousal? Well, we have, we use a category. So let me give the categories first, the the eight categories, and there may be more, but the ones we kind of look at as a convention right now are multiple partners, power dynamics. I'm either over somebody or I'm under somebody. Um, novelty, yeah. which would include adventure and variety, taboo, forbidden or transgressive types of things. And we throw yeah. fetishes in there. And that's a whole other subcategory that's very, very interesting. Oh, Wild West, baby. Wild West. Partner exchange or open relationships. This could be swinging. It could be multiple affairs. It could be whatever. Um, passion, romance. I said it could be cuckold. It could be... It, it could be being 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 betrayed in front of you, yes. all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, um, cuckolding that type of thing. Passion, romance, which is about being desired. Um, uh, yep. Erotic flexibility or fluidity, which would include homosexuality, transgender genderism, kind of uh, even imagining I'm a different gender to have sex than I am. Um, so fluidity, and then number eight would be repetition and reversal, which is this psychological dynamic that we talked about. So looking at those categories, so you asked about multiples. Multiple partners is a huge category. So in the top 30, they had um, threesomes, which is, the, according to uh, Justin Leon Miller, is the number one multiple category that Americans fantasize about, having a threesome. So what is that yeah. about? Well, um, and men fantasize about threesomes differently than females. Men typically fantasize, if they're straight, will fantasize about a threesome with two other women. 
women fantasize yep. about a threesome with two men. If, it, you're, if right. a guy is gay or, or same-sex attracted, he's going to fantasize about uh, a threesome with two other men. But threesome is the category. So what does threesome mean? What's the symbolism behind that? I'm kind of... Is it multiplication? Well, I'm the center of is attention. It, is it this? I want to I I take my sexual experience to another level? It's definitely novelty, right? Because normally you're only having right, sex right. with one person at a time. So there's a, right, there's a right. novelty aspect. There may be a power dynamic, depending on how the fantasy mm -hmm. actually plays out with the kind of porn you're watching. Um, you know, there may be a partner exchange. or So you can see how this could go into multiple categories. You have to get into the particularity of, well, what kind of threesomes do you find arousing? Like what happens in the threesome? Right. What role do you play in the threesome? But typically multiple sex is about somebody who doesn't really feel seen and doesn't feel celebrated. Mm -hmm. And so I become the center of attention. Just a quick side, uh -huh. side story of a guy that I was uh, working with one time. He was, um, his, his core fantasy was I go into a locker room. It's my high school. All the football players are in there and they start ripping off my clothes and we have an orgy. And I said, okay, I knew his story. So I said, how do you think that's connected to how you were harmed in high school? And he goes, I have no idea. I said, well, let me walk you through it because I knew his story so I could do it. You tried out for the football team and were rejected because you were too small, correct? He goes, yes. I said, so you tried out for the cheerleading team and you were the first male cheerleader in your southern school uh, to cheer for the football team. Wow. And what were you called? Faggot, queer, homo. Right. Rejected. Rejected. Yeah. So your fantasy is all about taking that incredible wound that you have where you felt rejected by the football team and imagining a scenario where they not only accept you, but they want you. They're crazy about you. You're the center of attention in the orgy be with everybody on the football team. And he goes. And now they and now they're and now they're the faggots. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I'm it's it's that level of power exactly and you're in charge it's yeah. your fantasy you yeah. get to play yeah. how it goes and so boom yeah. the light bulb went on oh my god <laughs> yeah. right yeah and so suddenly he felt powerful just with the realization of that's the purpose of that particular fantasy it's not that he wants to have sex with the football team it's that he doesn't want the pain of the rejection that he experienced and he's finding this way to reverse it in the most intense and immediate way that he can imagine which is sexually yeah okay so in in this in this and we could go on and we will frankly go on for many days months and hopefully years uh investigating these particular issues and doing deep dives one by one on these uh, search terms, these dynamics of arousal template, uh, these places where we find sexual pleasure and excitement. And so I think the, the place we, we wanna always land at is you have a story. I have a story, Scott has a story. We're all figuring the things that are true to us in life by examining or not the stories that we carry. And so when we uh, invite you to do your, your story work, uh, which you can do with either of us, and you can connect with us um, 
at the at the the, the notes below and also um, on our mutual websites. We want you to see this top uh, top terms on Pornhub list as an invitation. You you may have turned this on and been like, uh, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm I'm listening to this. This is a shameful thing. Put the put the shame behind you. We do. This is life, man. This is I mean, just like the story you shared, Scott, about the about the guy uh, in in the football team. That was his life. And yet he, his life was being hijacked by these compulsive sexual behaviors that he never made sense of. And, and putting those pieces together brought him clarity and w- allowed him to be kind to himself in a brand new way so that there could really be change moving forward. That's right. So, so we, we desperately want you to become curious and to, and to embody some kindness and care for yourself not by going back to Pornhub and typing in your words and scrolling through your videos and acting out again and again and again. You can go back there if you want to. We've all done that. But where did it lead you? Where did it take you? Ultimately, there's a point where you can say, enough is enough. I need to do something different. And this is what we're offering. So keep sticking around for more uh, content coming your way. Scroll through the titles and see what you might connect with, or just listen week by week. We don't care. We're glad to be here and to be with you and to be able to connect in this vulnerable space so that you can be safe and be seen and you can be secure as you continue to push into this work. So it's always great to have these conversations. Thanks, Scott. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Bye, Chris. Have a good day, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.